A little something different on the Locked On Celtics podcast today. A quick conversation about Emerson College and its involvement in the NBA. And then a conversation about what might be wrong about the NBA. And is the style of play an issue in the declining ratings? It's a unique show. And I hope you enjoy it here on this Friday edition of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Let's go! Happy Friday. You did it. You made it to the end of your work week. I hope you're enjoying this final day of the week. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I cover the Boston Celtics on a regular basis for Mass Live. And I'm here every Monday through Friday for you with a free daily podcast. This one, a little bit different. The Celtics were off on Thursday. Not much going on other than uh, Marcus Smart being ruled questionable for the Friday night game against the Denver Nuggets. He's not out necessarily. So we're waiting to see if the illness is going to be an issue. And we're going to wait to see if the oblique is going to be an issue. But as of right now, questionable for Friday night. Uh, the Boston Celtics went to Children's Hospital. That was fun. Vincent Poirier made his G League debut with the main Red Claws. Had 14 points, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks. I didn't watch the game, so I hope it looked good. But he went, he played. That's good. They lost, but eh, who cares about G League wins and losses? <laughs> I'm sorry. But hopefully Poirier is getting his good share of run down there or up there if you want to do actual directions. So we'll see how long that lasts. Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he just, the the Celtics took advantage of the Red Claws playing a home game on an off day. That's a great way to use the G League for him. You know, Celtics are off. Go up there, play a game, get your run, come back to Boston on Friday, sit on the bench and be the emergency guy. So uh, I think that's that's how you use the G League. I, I'm surprised they didn't send Grant there or or even Carson Edwards. Like this would have been a perfect opportunity for all of them to go do that. So that's really the end of the Celtics news. What I'm going to talk about here is the I went to Emerson College, which I went to Emerson College for college, but I also went to Emerson College on Thursday night. Because the Woj pod was being recorded at the Emerson College basketball gym. And Sam Presti, the general manager of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, an Emerson College graduate himself, a uh, an Emerson College Lion, a former Emerson College basketball player, uh, was there. And it was a great conversation. And the 
So I'm not really in the business of promoting other podcasts, but it's Woj. You, you're, you should be listening to Woj anyway. Everybody listens to Woj. It's like somewhere at the in the top two or three NBA podcasts on iTunes. So everybody listens to Woj. The conversation it w- was was amazing because it, it touched on my college coach or my college coach for two years, Hank Smith, who I think was instrumental in helping kind of craft my personality, craft who I am as a person, because he's he's really largely responsible for taking me as a young basically a boy in college and turning me into a, a young man who was prepared for the realities of life. And, um, I only bring it up just to basically extol the virtues of Hank Smith and to kind of, I know, I don't know, just talk a little bit about how he helped propel so many guys in the NBA, obviously Sam Presti, uh, Rob Hennigan, who was the general manager of the Orlando Magic, now works for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Will Dawkins, who play, who uh, I'm sorry, works for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And when you listen to the Woj Pod, you'll hear Sam say what a lot of people in the league believe that Will will actually be a GM at some point. At some point, Will Dawkins will be the general manager of an NBA team. And it'll be um, another Emerson guy that's at the helm of an NBA team. If Rob gets another job, only only one other school can boast having two GMs in the league at the same time. That's UCLA. And so UCLA and Emerson College are the only two schools to have general managers in the league at the same time. Which is insane. Uh, Rob Hennigan, by the way, was the best player in Emerson College history. That dude scored almost 2,200 points, which is an insane number for college. Uh, but Hank Smith is, is, is the common denominator for what happened with Emerson basketball and the, the tough lessons that he taught us. And they were tough. Uh, helped us kind of prepare for life. Now he's working for the Oklahoma city thunder. And so he's, he's part of the league himself. Uh, on top of that, there are scouts who are in the NBA. There's at least one G league coach, Sammy Newman Beck, who coaches the Minnesota G league team, also an Emerson guy. And then there are the Emerson media guys who are, you know, covering the league. And so Justin Termini, on um, on Sirius XM, Emerson guy. Obviously, I'm an Emerson guy. And it's just kind of amazing to me that um, little Emerson College in Boston is so, I don't know, influential in the NBA between the people who cover the league and the people who are in the league, who are shaping the league, who are making decisions in the league. Um, it's it tonight was a proud moment. Um, and I'm just happy to revel in it for a few minutes on this podcast. Um, it's kind of kind of wild 
to think about it. I was the first player um, on one of the first players on a Hank Smith team at Emerson. And we built something kind of big and it was a wild ride as you'll hear a little bit in the uh, Woj pod, but guys that didn't have a gym, uh, the way things broke down. I mean, I was driving vans around town because we had to go to an offsite gym and, and for them to have their own gym now to be part of that whole thing was kind of, kind of interesting. And to see dozens of players from the past kind of get back together for this event was a special night. So I just kind of want to share a little bit about that, about this Emerson college connection to the NBA, a little bit, a little piece of me, uh, on an off day when there's not really much Celtics news. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, I hope that Emerson Athletics kind of continues to grow in the league. I'm I'm dumbfounded, just dumbfounded by this uh whatever bit of influence that we have. It it kind of doesn't make sense. It really doesn't, but here we are. So, I'm glad that we had a chance to kind of witness this conversation and the conversation about Hank Smith and everything with the um with his connection and his influence in the NBA. It's it's wild. And you probably don't know much about Hank Smith. If I said to you, "Hey, Hank Smith has had a big influence on the NBA." You wouldn't you'd be like, "Who?" But yeah, Hank Smith had a big influence on the the guy who made trades for and to trade away Paul George and who influenced where Kawhi Leonard went and who influenced how the Rockets are built. Um, it's it's kind of just nuts to think that that guy, my coach, had this much influence over people who are making important decisions and who credit him for their ability to make these important decisions. And I credit him for my ability to make important decisions in my own life and how I do my job. So, um, it's just kind of nuts and I enjoyed it. And I wanted to share that with you after the break, a unique thing here. I'm, I'm doing a little something different here. So the, on the Wednesday locked on NBA podcast, Jake Madison and I had a conversation about th- James Harden and his style of play, and a broader picture, a broader conversation about how his style of play and the league style of play are maybe impacting ratings. I'm going to share that with you and something that didn't air in the Locked on NBA podcast. A kind of conversation that we had after the podcast was over, but was good enough, I think, to add to the whole conversation. That's next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
this is so interesting to me. The James Harden, like, I feel like there's so much going on in the NBA right now. They talk about the ratings are down. They're down like 20%. And, and people are, are scrambling to ask why. What's going on? Um, and there's so many different reasons. Like, it's hard to say what one reason is, right? It fractured audience, uh, more people watching not on TV. Uh, what are you going to say? No, I mean, it's just, it's a very complicated question and topic. And like, you know, we can point to some things that jump out at us, but this is like a larger type of thing that, you know, is an issue or is it an issue? We're only a quarter of the way through the year. Let's see if these things, um, you know, even out a little bit more. It's going to be interesting to see how this kind of develops because we've also seen some almost knee jerk reactions from the NBA regarding this especially recently with some of their copyright infringement claims on like youtube yeah so there it's so fascinating to follow and i'll circle back to harden in a second but they're one of the reasons why ratings seem to be problematic is people just aren't watching games the same way you're not sitting in front of tnt and watching a whole game all the time. People are watching highlights on YouTube. Well, some YouTube users have very large followings, and they'll post James Harden highlights, a James Harden mixtape from this game, and get a ton of hits. Meanwhile, the NBA's official YouTube may not even get that many hits. So they've been very lax. They let they let things kind of slide uh, for a while. And I want to see, like, I think one reaction is they're going to start handing out more copyright claims and shutting down some of these sites and some of these YouTube accounts so they can turn around and tell their broadcast partners, like, okay, you're not getting the ratings, but we're getting this on our YouTube channel. Let's find a way to monetize that as well and and whatever. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe more of a monetization issue than a ratings issue, potentially, or that's part of it. Right. But that's a separate conversation. So, but here we have, and, and, and I feel like James Harden is the perfect kind of example to use for a discussion like this, because here we have an historical season happening. He's averaging 39 and a half points right now. Uh, he just scored... 50 in a game the day after he scored 60 and go back before that 34 32 37 27 36 49 44 47 i mean just keep going monster scoring numbers people should be like he should be a god on front and center face of the nba people love scoring right but yep here he is in this game shooting 11 for 38, 11 for 38, 11 made field goals, and he scores 50 points. He shot four of 20 from three, which is its own thing. But That's, yeah. <laughs> 20, 24 of 24 from the line. He has taken 47 th- uh, free throws in his last two games. And there was a fan at at the game saying no one wants to watch a free throw contest and, and Harden shot back says no one wants to see fouls either, but you want to see fouls, James, that's how you score your points at the free throw line. 
And I'm just kind of curious, the, the 24 free throw attempts and the 23 point attempts, it's, it's an insane number. It's cracking my brain. And I wonder how much people really, really want to watch James Harden. You put that out there, and now Twitter is not the, the example to use, but it's the only thing I've got. So I put the thing out there, and you just get the responses. Like, I can't watch James Harden. I don't like watching James Harden. Me personally, I, John Corrales, don't really like watching James Harden all that much because his entire game is dribble between his legs one, two, three, four, five times. Get the defender to lean a certain way, and he's either busting to the basket or he's taking a step back three. It's the only two things he ever does. Um, and he'll pass off of the drives, and he'll it, it's it's so it's not like he doesn't put up assist numbers at times. You know, no. if you have like he he gets these these numbers and puts up absurd ones, but it's is that style of play where you are almost gaming the system a little bit fun to watch. And then it leads to the larger question of, is that turning people off of actively watching games and the anecdotal evidence on Twitter from when I've asked this and talked to people about it. And you talking about this earlier tonight on there is yes, it is. People don't like it, but I don't know if that's the reason there's a huge ratings drop. I definitely think his game is not, pleasing to watch not fun to watch and maybe not even what the nba really wants to kind of promote as a brand and i have a quote from the about this this comes from um uh i'll pull it up in a second actually i don't have in front of me um where and so i don't think that reason alone is why people aren't watching but it's certainly a bit of an issue. It's, you know, the Houston Rockets being a good team are on national TV a lot. And maybe there are some people who aren't turning into that game because of it. Right. And, and, and that's like James Harden isn't like the problem. I don't want to sit there and say James Harden is, is the problem. But he's his style of play is kind of emblematic of what what players are trying to do. You're trying to drive and draw fouls. Now, he is an extreme example of this. I don't like the way he drives and throws his arms out and, and and hunts for the fouls that way. I don't like that. But him taking a bunch of free throws, obviously, that it's a very effective way to score. But, you, you win games because of it. And at right. the end of the day, that's what he and the team are trying to do. He can be a scoring genius, but also not fun to watch. Like, yes, this is this is how he's successful. This is how he makes his money. This is how he helps the Rockets. And you can say, look, he just scored 110 points in two games. It's insane. Um, but how much do people want to watch? Not just a parade of free throws, but a parade of three pointers. And there are, there are some questions and this goes beyond James Harden. Like, I'm using Harden as the example. I want to make sure. I'm not pinning it all on him. But there's so many three-pointers that are taken. I've just, in casual conversations with people, they, you're watching teams and players miss 60 to 65% of their three-pointers. And it feels they take so many. You're watching a bunch of missed shots. And it you're not watching a ton of passing. You're watching guys come off the pick and roll, get that open three. If a guy goes under, then you're, you're, 
you're taking the open three. The, the beauty of the game is kind of sapped. It's funny. At, at Hall of Fame induction, Paul Westfall was there and I had a conversation with Paul Westfall and, and he was saying this, like, I, I'm watching this game and the beauty of the ball movement and the offenses, you had different styles. You had some teams that were built low post and some teams that are built on the perimeter and you had teams with distinct different styles of play. And in today's NBA, it's all generic. It's all spread the floor, f- you know, five out, high pick and roll, drive, either drive and dish, drive for the alley-oop, kick to the three, and, and, and everybody's trying to do the exact same thing. And I guess the point of all of this ranting is that the math has shown that that's how you should play basketball. And, and I and you and the rest of us who are hardcore – probably don't mind so much that that's how you play basketball now but the casual fan i don't is this generic brand of everybody playing five out everybody trying to shoot the threes uh the threes being so much more valuable than twos is that really something that fans the casual fan the person who watches a few games a year and is going to buy the tickets and drive a lot of this is that something that they really want to watch I wonder if, you know, maybe it is driving down some of the ratings a little bit too. So in terms of the three pointers though, I don't think it is because we've seen teams like the Warriors be huge ratings draws before when that's what they were doing. The Splash Brothers. They weren't hitting over 50% of their threes, though there were nights when it felt like they certainly were and Steph Curry was, but overall they're still missing. Making a bunch of threes and have it rain those down, even if you're missing over 50% of them, I think it's still fun to watch. No one's going to say those Warriors teams weren't fun to watch, though there was a lot of passing that led to those open threes. But certainly I think there's a more generic style of play that's going on around the NBA right now. But that's the way you win games. And that's what these coaches are trying to do. That's what these players are trying to do. And they don't care about the ratings, I don't think. Their job is to go and win. So they're going to do whatever it takes to kind of get them there. And that goes into Harden's mindset, too. What he's doing works. There's no debating that. It works, so he's going to do it, even if it's to the detriment of the health of the league as a whole. So it's trying to, you know, you know, what can you do, I think, to maybe make up for some of that, certainly. I don't think the three-point shooting is an issue. I definitely think Harden is. Like, his games aren't fun to watch on national TV, and the casual fan's going to tune in and be like, oh, my God, I just witnessed a 50-point game, but it was all done at, you know, half of it in this game uh, last night was done at the free-throw line, basically. That's not how you want to witness a 50-point game, right? No, absolutely not. I mean, he shot – uh he met, let me see, how many, how many shots did he miss in this game? Um, you're watching more, more than he made. Yeah. You're watching a guy miss 27 shots and score 50 points. That, that, that's, that breaks the brain. The, but what's, what's the answer here? And again, this isn't, this isn't necessarily the only thing that affects the ratings or impacts the game. And, but there, there is, there's something there. I think this is part of the problem. Yeah. I've heard, go ahead. Certainly. So I, I go to a quote from, uh, Johan Cruyff, who's a famous soccer player with Barcelona and Ajax at times. And as he, when he was a manager, he has a quote, which is quality without results is pointless. 
results without quality is boring. And we're kind of in that results yeah. without quality is boring kind of thing. You can win a ton of games doing what the, what, what the Rockets do. But oh my God, is it boring to watch? And not being boring is kind of important in sports entertainment, which is ultimately what this is to people like you and I or people, you know, that aren't working directly within the league. So trying to find a way to do that. Some of it might be better announcers, I think. Some of those national TV games are rough. Like, let's be honest. How happy are you and I that we don't have to deal with players only this season? Oh, my God. that That's it's, true. It's not fun to listen to. Like, I don't want to. I, I've started syncing up the local radio here in New Orleans <laughs> to to have it matched up with the TV because I find it better. Yeah, I, I, I think there's there's certainly something that can be done about the broadcasts. Um, it's I, I don't know why we're subjected to some of this. But we are. I think maybe there's just contracts that have been signed and they just got to honor them. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I don't like it. Um, the other the other thing I'm, I'm curious about is is what material changes can be done to the game to change that <laughs> that approach. Um, it's I think it's, again, what they always try and do, which is a bit like speed it up, maybe. You know, get rid of another timeout. We should probably do away with the coach's challenge at this point. That's been oh, a disaster that. this yeah. season. It just slows it down more. No one wants a slow game. You know, if you can make these things done in under two hours, even on TV, I think it's easier to get people to watch. It's also easier to get people to go to games. Rockets games get dragged out because it's so slow because when you're taking all those free throws, the clock's not running. And so you're there longer, yeah. and that tends to happen in these things. Yeah, that slows things down. Um, there, some. Th- I think this is why they they are exper- experimenting in the G League with the one shot approach. Where in the G League, if you don't know, up until the last two minutes of the game, I don't know if it's behind, yeah, last two minutes of the game, where if you get fouled taking a two or a three, you get one free throw. And if you make that one free throw, you get the two. If you get fouled on the three, you get one free throw and you get three points for it. And then in the last two minutes of the game, it goes back to normal. But they're, they're experimenting with that. I don't know. I haven't watched enough G League to see how that goes, but that's supposed to speed things up. Uh, so is it also possible that this is actually like a pretty simple thing that most of these teams aren't good, even if they have star players on them? And so you just feel like your team's not going to be competitive. So why even bother watching? Like if you're a Wizards fan, like what's the point? Oh, sure. We're going through that here in New Orleans right now. Like what's, what's the point? But it also ties into you're missing a lot of star players. No one wants to watch the Warriors right now. They just had two games I saw taken off like TNT or ESPN recently because of that. Their ratings should be down when the Warriors are on because of all the injuries they have. The fact that Kevin Durant's no longer there. The Nets, while fun, still don't have Kevin Durant. You're missing a bunch of games with Kyrie Irving. Here in New Orleans, there's been no Zion Williamson yet. He will be a ratings draw. And when you're dealing with all of these big injuries, I think, and star players not being in there, yeah, you're less inclined to watch these games. Maybe that's somewhat with load management too. Oh, Kawhi's not playing? I don't care. I don't need to tune into this game now. You know, And I think sometimes it might just be as simple as that. It's a star-power-driven league. When there's more stars in it and they're playing more, there's probably going to be higher ratings. Sure. I think that's definitely a part of it. And, and you, you can factor the injuries and the fact that a lot of these stars are out West and a lot, how many stars are out East Giannis. Um, and then after that, it's, it's like you, you take a step down 
Giannis is the only yeah. MVP candidate in the East. I mean, I have Kemba Walker on the Boston Celtics, but he's not an MVP candidate, really. You want to say maybe he'll, he's one of those guys that could sneak into that like fifth place MVP voting, like Pascal Siakam. Uh, sure. Kyrie Irving when he's healthy. Sure. But like after that, it's, it's, it's really the star power is out West. So that definitely impacts things. But I want to go back to the style of play thing. I've heard people suggest that I, I, I want to say it, it came up on a, a Zach Lowe podcast, but what if the, the reason why the threes are so prevalent now, it's the math three, yeah. three is so much more valuable than two and you can shoot 35% from three and that's better than shooting 50% from two. That's just mm-hmm. such a wide disparity. What if the math changed and the twos became threes and the threes became fours? And now that extra point is sure more valuable, but how much more valuable is it? Or says I've seen somebody suggest you go two to 2.5, which, and, and it's sure it, <laughs> it screws like all this, the, all the statistics. Like, no, I, I get what, I get what, yeah, you, you have hundred, an issue with that, but yeah. that, that's not a big deal. And there's way, we shouldn't be comparing people, you know, among areas anyway. And there's ways to kind of just do the math to figure out what it would have been too. So that's, sure. that's like ultimately not the biggest issue in my opinion. That's an interesting suggestion. We do like to fix the NBA on the podcast here and we've done it before. We do have Adam Silver's uh, direct line here, um, sure. so we probably need to just shoot him a text and be like, hey, we've got this fix for you, buddy. But, yeah, I mean, if you somehow kind of reduce the disparity between a two and a three and to make it to three to four and the ratios difference different there, yeah, that would Here's- be – you'd have people probably looking to score inside right in the paint at the restricted area significantly more. I, I think that would be the thing. Here's, here's my biggest example of how that would change this game right now. And it's, now I'm an old school guy, so I, I, I don't mind the game right now. I, I, I like NBA basketball. But what drives me crazy is like on a three on two or a three on one fast break, when the two guys on the wings, they always flare out to the corner three. Yep. Rather than fill the lanes. So, on a fast break, you have guys stopping and pulling up from three rather than trying to get a layup or a dunk. What is more exciting than a breakaway dunk? Everybody stands up in anticipation of a breakaway dunk, especially in those three-on-one, three-on-two situations when guys are filling the lane and somebody's going to challenge and you're like, damn, somebody's about to get dunked on. That's exciting fast break basketball. But because of the math, the shoot, the guys on the wings, they flare out to three because that corner three is shorter and so much more valuable that hitting that shot in that, in, in that spot when nobody's around you, you just basically get a warm up type three. Of course, you're going to flare out. And again, people miss even the best shooters miss 60% of those shots. Where the dunk is such a high percentage shot, like that's almost always going to happen. So something it's, that changes the math that allows something like that, that alone will add excitement to the game. 
Yeah, I, so that would be a thing. You know, I, I wonder how many times those missed dunk opportunities in a game are like actually prevalent and like what's the almost the opportunity cost on it? Like, is it significant or is it like one or two times a game at the most, which it might be? Um, and if that would change the ratings very much, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing. And as we've talked about a number of different things here, these ratings and the concern that the NBA has over them is like not an easy solution whatsoever. And this is something we're going to be talking about all year long because it's not going away anytime soon. Again, that was the locked on NBA segment. One third of the show that we did on Wednesday, you should subscribe to locked on NBA because Jake and I do the Wednesday show every week. After the break, Jake and I continued the conversation and that was off the air and I recorded it anyway and I'm going to share that with you when we come back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. Before the break, I shared with you the segment about what might be wrong with the style of play and things that might be deterring people from watching. That was only part of it. After Jake Madison and I stopped the show, we kept talking and I thought, it would be good to share that podcast, that part on a podcast. So here is Jake and I continuing the conversation about what could be wrong with the style of play and how it might impact the ratings. Yep. That's an interesting concept of changing the the point Points. totals, though. Yeah, I, I think that's – I don't know. So what, it goes from like a one and a half – to one ratio to like a 0.75 to one ratio or something like that. I have to like, yeah, you're the man. Do it. Yeah. But like, but that it makes it, it's still more valuable. You can still take the shot, but the, like you said, now you have to, you have to become like a, like a 45% three point shooter to like live behind there. Like the guys like it, like Marcus smart all of a sudden, when he's shooting 34%, 35%, you're like, I can live with that. Well, you can no longer live with that. Like those guys no longer become valuable. So what ends up happening? The big guys don't become stretch bigs anymore. They, I think maybe the return of the mid range game or the, at least the, um, the more back to the basket stuff. I've heard somebody even suggest like shortening the late, uh, making the lane narrower again. So you got more guys closer to the basket uh, and this enc- encourages more, more post play. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Because post-ups have become like they've been wiped out. What if you just move back the three point line? Well, see that I'm, I'm okay with that too. Uh, but now you're talking about, I think you'd have to widen the court um, by a couple of You need to of move feet. the corners out. I think I think you need to widen the court so you can, like, yes, so you can move the corners. The the corners become the same distance as the above the break three right now, and the above the break three becomes another two feet, whatever. 
And that's not going to impact because some guys are taking those shots anyway. So, like, Steph Curry is just going to shoot his same shot. But, yeah. Uh, but that, but you know what? That does change the dynamic because some of these guys, like, I don't know, Aaron Baines is, is a good example of a big who has worked his way out to three. Well, how, is he going to be taking those way, way deep shots? Probably not. So now, you got to work him back into the uh, back into the back to the basket, or or something around the the middle of the floor that makes him effective again. Uh, I don't know. I I think there's some value to a lot of that stuff because I liked Westfall's point that it's it is such a generic style of play when you've got 30 teams all trying to play the exact same way. It does take some of the nuance and style out of the game. Like just like in football, some teams. No, it's it's nice to have like an identity that's yours. Right. Some teams in football are running teams. Some teams are are passing teams, and in you know you have to prepare differently. You don't know what you're going to see. You get variety in in the types of games that you watch. Uh, you don't have that variety anymore in in the league. It's just I I think there's some value to that, and it's hard for for. Me, as someone who's just obsessed, like, and you probably that's just obsessed with basketball, you're like, yeah, this is fine. It's, this is how, this is how it works. Yeah. I'm no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Or I'm like, I don't see this as a huge deal. Right. But I don't know. The more casual fans I talk to, it's like, eh, I, I, I'm not. And then the one thing we didn't even talk about is the age breakdown. Like, the casual fans that are my age grew up in 80s basketball so now you've got think about it you've got people who's got the most disposable income people who are i think older and like uh like mid to early to mid 40s mid like mid 40s to early 50s right so those are the type of that would be going to games at least yeah right who's going to be buying tickets to the games 40 to 50 year old people guys mostly that grew up like me, I'm right in that range watching Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, the, the, the golden era of centers, Hakeem Olajuwon, work their magic in the post, and no one really took the threes, and you had to really, really work hard to score points. And now this game has changed so radically, like, wait a minute, this isn't the game that I fell in love with. This is like some bastardized version of this... I don't know. It's something, it's something totally different. And you know what? I, I kind of don't like it. And I think that's, that's also part of the problem. So the casual fans who are brought up in the heyday, like I think kids today, like the younger people, they don't give a shit because this is it. This is how, this is how basketball is played. This is, this is their good old days right now. But my good old days was eighties basketball. And not everybody is a nerd like me. Most of these people are like, eh, God, I can't imagine Larry Bird taking 10 threes a game. It would have pissed me off. Yeah, no, I get it. It's interesting. The, the fact that it's like you're, you're having, you want people to, or encouraging people to miss more because you want them taking threes. Like, We've been debating about Lonzo Ball in this game. He took eight threes in the game. He hit two of them, but he's shooting 36% on the season. If he's got a wide open three, like I don't hate it. 
even though he's shooting 36% on the season. It's like, maybe we should. Yeah. But I mean, that thinking about it from the other perspective of watching a guy miss 64% of his shots, you're like, well, that's, that's no fun. I'm watching him miss two thirds of the shots that he's taking. Like, what the, f- that that's no good. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting. And, and that's good. Like 36%. Like, wow, that's, that's like above league average, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing for him. Um, it's hard. It, it was hard for me, the old guy to come around to like the concept of why would you want to take a shot that you make 34% of or 35% of when you can take this other shot that you can make almost 50% of the time you want to hit more of your shots right but that that 50% mid-range shot like you have to hit at least 50% from mid-range or else people are like stop taking don't take that shot even though it's open and you hit half of them you're like how can how can you sit here and sell a product to fans when you say yeah that that guy's hitting just about half of his shots from there and and we don't like that we want him to go hit fewer shots because they're more valuable. Like it, it's, I don't know. It, it like it, it seems counterintuitive. Like if you're explaining that to a person who doesn't understand the game at all, they'd be like, "What? You no, want, I get what you're you saying. Go make less, fewer shots. Um, it's yeah. So I don't know. I I I, I didn't think that it was a, as much of a problem until you really start getting into the nitty gritty of like the stylistic stuff and like the, the math, the math is, I think the math might be just out of whack. Like they didn't think it through. And finally, when people really started to assess the value of like, Holy you know, you realize how much more valuable a three is than a two that now we're like, Oh, Oh wow. That really is much more valuable. Like, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm starting to really come around to the fact that I, I think something needs to change and it might have to be like something kind of radical. Look, if there's a league that's going to do it, it's this one. I I wonder if they start like, I want to see, they always experiment with it in the G league. Yeah. You know, like what if they just said, Hey, you know what? Any, it's a four point line now and everything else is a three and Go. Go from there. And then your, your free throws are still two shots. Everything's a two-shot foul. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah no, it's going to be curious. they got to do something, unless they think this will all kind of be cyclical and work itself out. It, it could be. It could be. Like, the ratings were pretty good before, but I don't know. Like, it's, it's so hard to say exactly what the reason is. Could It is, and... They need to focus group the shit out of it. I just think it's the star stuff. Like, I think it's these guys aren't playing. The West Coast thing I definitely think is an issue because if I didn't do this stuff, I would not be up watching these West Coast games. Sure. And I'm in the central time zone, not even in the eastern time zone. So I can't, it's only worse for you guys over there. It's true. No, right. Absolutely. That's why they, they switched to seven o'clock on so much of yep. the, so many of these West Coast games. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it, it could be, it, at least if it's just that, then it's just that, you know, like if it's, if it's something stylistically, then whatever, but at least the conversation I think needs to be had and like, Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe nothing changes. Maybe nothing needs to change, 
but I, I think there's a legitimate argument. It's worth looking into. And like you said, worth having the conversation. I don't know if any of this is actually why ratings might be down. There are so many reasons. It could be none of anything that I said. It could be none of it. Um, I thought that it was worth having the conversation. And I think there is some legitimacy to the possibility of, you know, with guys taking so many threes and guys going to the line. So who wants to see a guy shoot 24 free throws? Just who wants to see that? Like James Harden. Yeah, you scored 50. That's awesome. That's amazing. Like who scores 50, right? So few guys. But who wants to actually watch him in the process of that? It's like, I love sausage. I don't want to see you make the sausage. So I like the fact that you scored 50. As a Rockets fan, you'd love that your guy scored 50. The day after he scored 60. The game after he scored 60. That's amazing. But I don't want to watch you score 50 because the way you score 50 sucks. I don't want to see you take 24 free throws. I really don't. I don't want to see you miss eight three-pointers. And he doesn't always miss eight three-pointers, but I don't want to see you miss a ton of three-pointers. Like, that's not enjoyable to me. It's not. And I love basketball. I'm not a normal viewer. I'll watch basketball. It doesn't matter. It doesn't... I'll just... It's on all the time. I always watch it. So... What about the casual fan? Isn't possible that the casual fan doesn't have that type of thing that they love that says, I'm going to watch this anyway. And even I can't watch all of Rockets games sometimes. So it is what it is. So that's the conversation. Again, it's a different kind of show today. Just trying to do something different because the opportunity was there. The Celtics play the Denver Nuggets on Friday night. Uh, there'll be a shoot around. So follow my stuff on masslive.com slash Celtics. There'll be news updates and you'll, you'll figure out if Marcus Smart is playing or not. Uh, so we'll see. Again, questionable. They're, they're probably waiting to see if he's healthy enough like, as far as his flu or whatever it was. And then they're going to test the oblique. And if his oblique is okay, then maybe he'll play. If it's not, then maybe he'll sit. And they'll have to beat the Denver Nuggets, who are kind of like scuffling anyway. Uh, they'll they'll try to get their revenge on the Denver Nuggets at home. And they'll have to do it without them. So, hope you've enjoyed the show. If you're a, a, a new listener, hope you enjoyed it enough to subscribe to the podcast. This is not how we normally do the show. It's not a regular Locked On Celtics podcast. But I hope you enjoyed it enough to subscribe anyway. All of you regular listeners, I hope you enjoyed it enough to give the five-star rating and a good review and share the podcast. Tell everybody, listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.